this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to this special episode of Pop Culture Confidential as we have breaking news. The Writers Guild of America, the WGA, and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, AMPTP, have failed to reach an agreement. Hollywood writers will strike. But I am very pleased to have with me Tom O'Brien, writer and critic who covers film and also a member of the WGA himself. You'll remember that Tom was with me a while back talking about the impending possible strike, and now it's a fact. So Tom is back with us again. Welcome, Tom. Welcome back. Thanks, Christine. It's great to be back with you. So we have been following this the past month, and we've kind of seen what direction it's moving. On April 17th, WGA members overwhelmingly approved a strike. I mean, they 98% gave permission to the Guild. Almost about 12,000 television and movie writers gave their permission to initiate the strike. We've also been reading that producers have began stockpiling scripts and greenlighting projects, racing to get things into productions. Um, so we've kind of seen that where the winds were blowing. But looking at the reactions this evening and this morning, I'm kind of surprised at how far apart these two seem. Am I getting this right? Am I correct in saying that? Yes, I think so. This is uh, the the negotiations have been going on for several weeks, and uh, they've been very tight-lipped about it. And no going in that neither one of us were in the room, so we really don't know. But things have begun to leak out once the uh, uh, the deadline passed. And uh, right now, the uh, what the Writers Guild is asking for in raising minimums and guarantees uh, for uh, to be able to what they believe to get a fair wage would uh, be an additional four hundred twenty nine million dollars. Uh, that would be raising minimums minimum pay across the board and being able for um, staffs to be created and not just paying people for day work. The studios have responded with they, what they call a fair offer, and it's a modest minimum in the uh, raise in the minimum pay, which would be $86 million. So we're talking $429 million versus $86 million. And you're right, that is a huge gap and one that I don't think they're going to be able to uh, meet up with um, quickly. No, and to put that into sort of an interesting context, the author Mark Harris, who covers Hollywood exquisitely, he wrote a tweet um, saying that forty uh, $429 million is the same amount that the Super Mario Bros. movie 
earned in a month. So it's not like it's a huge number for the studios, just to put that into context. But um, let's look at some of the issues that they, the two main issues the studios have just rejected outright. And one of them is staffing numbers and one is duration of employment. Could you explain that a little bit? Well, this is largely due to policies put into place by streamers, um, began by Netflix, but now have been picked up by other streaming services who are doing making original programming. Right. And uh, they have declined to uh, give us a minimum guaranteed number of writers to be on staff. Um it, that has been the common way TV shows have been written, for example, for years. You'll have eight to ten writers meeting in a room. Over the course of the season, they develop stories, and there is, that keeps the voice of the uh, show consistent all the way through. And it's, it really is key to keeping the creativity up, and not so coincidentally, it helps to give those eight to ten writers a guaranteed salary for a year and keeping, you know, keeping them from having to, to take side jobs. Specifically, what, since this is about streaming, which means what what's happened in the streaming era is that the shows are much shorter. Before we used to have shows where 24 episodes, 25 episodes went through a year. Now we have six, eight, 12, which means much shorter work for, for um, the writers in general. And a fewer number of writers. Mm -hmm. um, so what Netflix developed was something called a mini room, as opposed to a writer's room. And a mini room would be about maybe four or five writers who get together to write the scripts for this short series of episodes, maybe six or eight. Uh, and those scripts are written before the show goes into production or sometimes before the series is even greenlit. So they can pay them much less um, because yeah. this is basically a proof of concept that the, the Netflix then uses to get in order to get this green light, which many of them aren't greenlit. So the writers end up staying in these mini rooms and just doing mini rooms all the time and never getting any actual experience or work on a longer series. No, I mean, they're really cutting off the development of the next generation of writers because there are so few jobs available and um, the fact that these mini rooms are paying bare minimum even uh established writers who can command because of the quality of their work and their success a lot more just get minimum wage uh according to the minimum agreement and um writers guild for example has estimated that Fully half of the writers who are working, and these are just the working writers, half of the who are currently working on series are just getting minimum wage. And you right. can't support a family on that. No. You can't build a career on that. This used to be a profession where you could have a, um, you know, middle class life and live in Hollywood and, and L.A. and work and have a family. And, and it's become, as many writers were writing today in different tweets I was reading, just a freelance gig job. Um, which you can't survive on. But speaking about, then we have the duration of employment, which means that the WGA wanted a, a minimum amount of weeks 
that the, uh, the writers would be employed. They rejected that outright. And then the other part of the streaming era, um, which is the residuals, that uh, the residuals um, getting paid for uh, the show being shown again and again through the years has been a big part of a writer's pensions, many of them. And since the streaming era doesn't work that way, they've been trying to get compensation that would sort of cover that. But that was also rejected as I can see it, right? And there's no alternative. I mean, they just don't, they didn't counter at all. Um, you know, in some cases, the writers asked for a certain amount of minimum and they say, well, we'll agree to take a meeting about it. Yes, lots and of meetings were agreed to, but nothing else. That's about it. And it doesn't cost them anything to agree to make a meeting. Uh, that's not, they're, it's, they're not, a, they're avoiding the issue. I mean, because budgets are up, profits are up, yet the average uh, salary for a writer has declined in the last 10 years. There's something wrong there because we are the creators of projects that generate around the world billions of dollars. And we're, we're now, as you said, Christina, um, having to settle for a gig economy, well, you get paid for one job and say, if you want a little bit of a rewrite, there's no guaranteed minimum pay for that. You know, streamers are asking you to rewrite for free and there's no protection for us. No. So and I mean, they've this also is, rejected the second. So if you have to do rewrites, they're asking writers to do all kinds of tweaks and all kinds of rewrites without any sort of protection, um, for that at all no they did offer a meeting though to talk about a meeting yes <laughs> that, that, that they've offered in several places among others um talking about ai which i thought was also quite scary um though the use of artificial intelligence is something that um, the wga asked for certain you know protections that um that you couldn't you know swap out a writer for ai or use it as your um, material but basically, the uh, what they got back from their demand was, we reject that, but we will offer a yearly meeting to talk about technical, new technical advances, which in when I'm reading that, it feels like the streamers and the studios really are leaving the door open for AI. Yeah, I mean, and, and certainly it may very well be a center of profit for the streamers. And they, you know, that, that uh, they are not closing off the possibility that that may replace writers at some point. And thankfully, the Guild has seen, looked ahead and said, no, we have to stop this now. We have to nip this in the bud. Uh, and uh, the, the fact that they reject that outright is very disconcerting. Uh, and uh, it as if the current situation is not bad enough to be able to be replaced by a computer is just beyond the pale. Can, can, a, can a computer do a rewrite? I think not. No. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that's- Well, they're leaving it open if it would. That's that's what the point really, I mean. Yeah, so many of these uh, counter offers that uh, the, the responses that the studio has is that okay? We'll give you a little bit more money across the board, but you got to keep in place all the loopholes that we have now that can keep you, you know, keep us from having to pay you what you're worth. Right. 
And it feels like the streamers and the studios have been preparing Sarandos. Netflix Sarandos talked about in their earnings meeting that we have really a whole bunch of stockpiled shows, so you won't be missing anything. Uh, We don't want to strike, but we do have enough to show um, a lot down the line. It felt like he was saying, we're not afraid of this dragging on. Um, It feels like they can go to reality. Uh, Most reality producers aren't part of the guild. Um, do you feel that the studios do have the upper hand or is it like a tactic, a maneuver? What, what do you feel compared to 2007 also? Certainly a streamer like Netflix. Um, I think Ted Sarandos is right. I think they can weather this very nicely, um, because they have so many international productions around the world and that American audiences through say shows like Squid Game have responded to. They can just slap those on and and you know put the Netflix name on them and uh, you know pretend like they've been right right written right here in America. The other thing that Netflix, something like Netflix and the streamers have to go back for a second with these mini rooms, if they if they go if they if a writer mini room writes six scripts for a particular series and the series doesn't go to air, doesn't get greenlit. Netflix still has those scripts mm-hmm. and they can put those into production. Boom. Right. And all of a and sudden you've got 20, the, yeah. 20 new shows. Right. Right. I didn't even think about that. Um, how will the viewer be affected from today on? Well, you know, you, you can say goodbye to Saturday night live for the season uh, and probably most of the late night talk shows. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, certainly a lot of the guests will honor the picket line, uh, who are from after and other, other unions. So, uh, they will be going to reruns. Uh, scripts for this year are all pretty much all written. Um, it will affect though, writers getting together to plan next season shows. So you'll see a delay in season premieres next year. And if the if the strike lasts as long as I fear it might, we may not get a new season until the end of the year. Uh, right, right. It, it's, it takes a lot of preparation to get these shows up and running. And um, that writers cannot participate in that. Right now, it is, it is pencils down, everyone. Yeah, and, so what, uh, they can't do anything. They can't uh, write. They can't deliver scripts. They can't negotiate or even discuss projects. No, no so none whatsoever. Um, you know, in anyone who does uh, then becomes subject to expulsion from the guild. Right. And, um, a few things I read about that. One is that the the talk show hosts, uh, so Kimmel, Fallon, and uh, as well as as the others, are actually paying staff 
which is something that Letterman and Leno did in 207. And that's quite a big chunk that they're quite generous so that they, I mean, then we're talking about like Kimmel has 300 on staff and most of them are of course not writers. It's everyone else who's affected. So they'll keep that payroll going. I also read a tweet from one of the writers on Yellow Jackets. They had gotten to write episode one of season three, um, which she wrote was a great experience, but then this happened. So that will be put on the shelf. But I think the shows that will be affected most quickly are uh, things like Abbott Elementary, more broadcast, because they have a tighter um, production schedule. They start writing in May, and then they already start shooting in Ju- in July. So that will Absolutely. probably be impossible to to you know make that happen. But in terms of film, <clears throat> are they they're able to start producing as long as no writer is on is involved? They don't have to do rewrites or anything. No, is that correct? They, they can't do it. Um, in, in, and as, as a result, you may get some half-assed scripts. <laughs> getting as made. we did 207, 208, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the James Bond. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I think most of the, I think almost all of the films that will be released in calendar year 2023 are done, uh, at least past the writing stage. Right. They may still be in production, but uh, uh, that it probably won't affect our movie schedule for you know another nine nine to ten months, uh, but it's it is going to affect farther down the line. It's you'll see begin to see the effects in twenty twenty four, and particularly in twenty twenty five. I think uh, the the uh, time lost uh, during the strike um, to get the scripts down right uh, to go into production, say by the end of the year. That's going to delay production, and as a result, it's going to move um, anticipated films for for, uh, the next two years farther down the line and give us fewer films in theaters. Um, What happens now, practically? Are they able to talk with each other during the strike, or is it just a waiting game until someone... I mean, what actually happens? Yeah, negotiations will pick up. Right now, I think it, this is kind of a cooling off period. Um, Tuesday morning, when we are discussing this, uh, there is a lot of red tape, paperwork, stuff like that that have to be done. Uh, picketing starts at 1 p.m. Los Angeles time. And that's when you'll, that's when you'll see it on the news. Um, I used to do it myself. I know, I know the drill. Uh, you know, they're so well the- organized. You can see on Twitter they're telling people where to go, how to stand. There's, there's, you know, food. There's all these things that are happening around this that that feel, you know, people are really and, and lots of allies, as one can see um, at the moment, that are really saying, you know, I was just reading that Edie Falco was supposed to do some press in New York, and she for a new series, but she did not want to cross the picket line. Um, so she's not doing that. Things like that, which feels like there's a lot of alliance with this at the moment, yeah. at least. Uh, it, uh, the allies that have have uh, voiced their support, we so we are so grateful to them because it helps um, solidify um, our union. Uh, you know that we are all in this together, and I think actors in particular know that they are so dependent on the words that they are given to read to be able to deliver the performances that they're capable of performing. That without 
without the, the level of quality of the scripts that they are used to, their careers are affected. So they, they, their stake is in um, this getting resolved and having the writers get get what they need to get in order to sustain a career so that instead of having a one-shot or two-shot job, um, you can have 20, 30, 40 years of writing and continuing to grow and, and continuing to contribute great work. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to add on to that, which I've been reading that the sort of older, more experienced members of the WGA keep repeating that one of the things that they're really afraid of is that the younger in this sort of freelance, very short amount of time that the younger writers get to be in a writer's room. And some of them are even in writer's room via Zoom for a couple of weeks. They are not getting the experience pre-production, post-production to actually make them one day be able to show run, which is what all, you know, writers, you know, that, and I thought that it's, it's a really nice sentiment that people are saying, we don't want to pull up the ladder behind us. Our point is to get, you know, these young writers and they are not getting the experience. And it worries me that when they're so far apart in this, but what do you think? I mean, will looking at it today, Will anyone budge here and, and who what what will happen? How long do you see this going? Last time 2007 was a hundred days, 1988 was over 150 days. What do you think? I think it's going to be closer to 1988, unfortunately. Um, these are basic questions that uh, really need to be answered. Back in 88, it was about the rise of cable TV, if you can believe it. But there were no minimums then. Mm -hmm. And it had to take a five-month strike in order to get those in place. And the same thing, I, I fear, has to happen here. Um, it's a little more difficult here, I'd say, because so many of the streaming services are not, their main concern is not entertainment generation. It's, you know, Apple, a Amazon, they have other interests. This is kind of a nice, they nice have little money coming in from other got. places. Yeah. Yes, they have. They, they're fine. They're going to get money no matter what, so they can afford to hold out. Netflix can afford to hold out because of that backlog of product and, and availability of international shows. So uh, I I think that the streamers in particular are going to be more rigid than the cable networks were years ago. And uh, I, I, that can only prolong this strike. And what it is the tragedy of all of this is also the ancillary people who are going to be affected. Yes. The props guys, the cameramen, the, they're all out of work. Um, and even people who don't work for the studios, the florists, the prop creators, people who make the show Assistance look the of way. All kinds, yeah. Yeah, it is going to be just a big blow to a lot of the economy, particularly in Los Angeles, um, where so much of the entertainment industry is based and so many ancillary businesses are totally dependent upon shows being in production. So uh, we can't go back to. Oh, sorry. Did I interrupt you? No. Okay. Sorry. We can't go back to what TV looked like 
15, 20 years ago. I mean, we are in this streaming era. Do you think some things are lost, like uh, writers' rooms with 12, 15 people? Is that something that we won't see again? And, you know, residuals and how things, I mean, that we have to find new ways or... or... Something has to be done in order to be able to... Live uh, as a writer. Live as a writer. Your people are not going to want to do this if they're going to have to live hand to mouth. And even when you're on a show, I've seen anecdotal uh, tweet tweets from writers who I'm on a successful show and I still have to have outside gigs or non-writing jobs in order for my family to eat or to pay the rent. And this, these are from writers who are working and when I and writers who aren't are trying to break in. Um, there's no avenue for them anymore. No, that's nearly impossible, as it seems, listening to yeah. you know, and, the stories and, that are coming up. You know, and that's, you know, it's particularly writers who are young, um, women writers, writers of color, um, who have been able to get footholds in the industry, now won't have them. Especially, you know, if they are, you know, small staffs, not guaranteed, a certain number of weeks employment, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to get get that first job and to be able to get the experience that is going to help to build a generation of writers. Um, they're going to be decimated because of uh, some of the practices here. So we have to put a stop to them. Seeing how far apart they are, a strike is certainly needed. But do you see um, that this will be positive and positive outcome for the writers? even through this difficult process? I think it's going to be extremely painful in the long, in the short run. Um, but I think that the impact on some producers will be such that they may be urged to come to the table with a little more of a reasonable response than, you know, would offer a meeting. Yeah, but, or will forget it we're all ai now yeah we're all ai now thanks yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bye. uh hopefully um this can help to make it very clear to those those powers that be that um their bottom line is going to be affected and their and the product that they are so proud of uh is going to be impacted we we I don't think it's going to go back to the way it used to be, and we can we can you know just kind of wax nostalgic about the good old days, but the new days, what is going to be going out going forward, has to be fair, and right now the situation is not fair for the writers and the creators, and unfortunately, I think the audiences are going to be the victims of this in shows not being up to the level of quality they've come to expect. Yeah. Um, sort of finally, I, you're saying, it seems that you're saying that you think this is going to be a long strike, um, which would probably then be at around the time that both the DGA and SAG, the Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild, they're up for negotiations um, around June 30th. So does that have an impact that if the writers are still striking and all this or... I suspect that that may put additional pressure on the studios. If they can, 
if they can get the writers to agree to something that they can live with, it would certainly make the negotiations for the DGA and SAG a lot easier because I'm not sure they want to go through something like this with every guild. And they will. They will have to. I mean, the, the, the directors and the actors uh, are just as determined to get a fair shake because they see the profits that are being made and uh, their, their contracts need to reflect their contribution to um, the coffers that are going into the producer's pockets. Tom, is there anything you want to add that I've forgotten or that you've been thinking I, about? No, I think, Christina, we've, we've covered a lot. I, I, it's, I, think, I think we just want to remind people that uh, the cliche of writers sitting by the pool all day is not true. They've got families, they've got bills to pay, and but they do it because they love it. And even when you love something, you really, with the amount of work that, that writers put in, and believe me, long hours are the, are the mainstay for writers, as you know, uh, it, the, uh, the, the compensation has to be fair. And I just don't want it to be um, cliches of writers and producers. These are people, these are families, they're hurting and they want to be able to get some fairness in, 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 in their profession so that they can continue to have and do the work that they love for many years to come. Yeah, and support their families and their health and, and everything else fairly yeah. for the amount of work they're putting in. Um, Tom, I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to talk about this um, in a bit. So hopefully we'll see how long this drags out, but I'll definitely call on you again if we start seeing you know something happening or changes or if it drags on too long. I hope you'll come on again to talk about that. I'd be happy to. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Christina. Thank you so much. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.